Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 15th of June 2014, entitled Preparation for Departation, and the Bible reading is taken from Amos chapter 4 verse 12. Here's brother Steve Elliott. Amos chapter 4, and um, I'm just going to read verse 12 because that's really um, our text for this message this morning. And um, if you'd like to, uh, like to stand in the uh, honor of reading God's word, verse 12 says, Therefore thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Do we have a word of prayer? Dear Lord, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you, dear Lord, that it's the word of God. And we pray, Lord, that you will speak to us through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, please be seated. Right, just a little bit of a, a background um, into uh, the book of Amos. Uh, it was written around... Um, 740 BC, okay, 740 years before Jesus. And um, we see here that uh, Israel is being reproved by God for their idolatry. And um, we see um, in chapter 4 that the Lord is exhorting them to repentance. And um, one of the ways that he is doing it um, we read from verse 6 down to verse 11 that God had brought judgment upon his people. And the reason for this judgment really was to bring them back, okay, to awake them and to get their attention, to stop following idols, okay, um, and to serve the living God. And uh, we, we read five times from verse 6 down to verse 11, God says, Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. And we see here that God's people, even though they've been reproved, uh, just rejected God's word and uh, his warning. And um, we see that now they're being told, as we uh, look in verse 12, that they are told to prepare to meet with God. And if you just turn to verse 12, let's just read that verse again. Um, Amos says, through God, he says, therefore thus will I do unto thee, so now God is telling his people what he's going to do, okay? And if we continue to read on into, into chapter 5 and um, chapter 6 and so on, um, we see what God is going to do, okay? But he just says in verse 12, Therefore thus will I do unto thee, O Israel. He's warning them now what he's going to do. And because I will do, thus, I will do this unto thee, then he says, prepare, thee, uh, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Okay, so God's people are told now that they are to prepare to meet with God. Okay, and they're to prepare to meet God in repentance. God wants them to repent. He doesn't want to judge his people. He wants them to turn from their idols and turn back to him. And he's saying that if they repent, we just turn to chapter 5 and verse 4. He says, but, sorry, yeah, verse 4, chapter 5, For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek ye me, and ye shall live. So a gracious God that we have, that Israel had, have been told that, Lord, if you seek me, ye shall live. So he's giving them an opportunity, okay? Um, but he's also telling them that they are to prepare to meet him as well, in judgment, because if they don't turn and seek the Lord, he's going to judge his people. And we see in chapter 5, in verse 27, that God was to meet them in judgment by captivity. Let's just have a look at verse 27. He says, Therefore will I cause you to go into captivity beyond Damascus, saith the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. What a gracious God that we have. Um, I'd like us to think for a few minutes, really, about making, preparation, uh, making preparations. Because, you know, life from start to finish is all about preparing, okay? And um, 
most of us, if not all, have the same kind of preparations in life. Maybe we can look back to the days when we first started school, okay? I don't know if you can remember that day um, when you started a new school, you know, you prepared yourself, um, maybe in uniform, you got a new uniform and you had new school books, you had a new, new satchel, new briefcase or whatever. In my case, it was, uh, it was a new cap. We had caps at school um, in Stockport where I used to live years ago. Um, but I prepared myself to get ready for school. Then we start to prepare ourselves for exams, don't we? You know, we're coming up to the time of year now where many uh, people, children at school are um, preparing themselves for their exams. They're studying, okay? And they're getting ready for their exams. They're very important. Not only that, but what about the universities? You know, we have here in our congregation this morning students that are at university and they're um, revising and they're going through exams. Well, they have to be prepared for. Um, when we get out into the big wide world, we need to start preparing to, um, to get a house. Yeah. Um, some people were prepared to get married, find the right partner to, uh, to live with. And, um, you know, years down the line, we start to prepare, don't we, for our retirement. But, you know, there's one thing that many people don't prepare for. They don't really think about it, give it really much thought, and that's to prepare to meet with God. And, um, you know, the Bible says that it's a prudent man that looketh well to his going. And where we're heading, we need to look well for, and we need to prepare for it um, in life, but also in death as well. Um, I wonder why not many people really think about preparing themselves to meet with God. Well, there may be quite a few reasons, but it may be through... Uh, fear of the unknown. You know, a lot of people don't like to really think and contemplate on what what they don't know. Bit bit scary. Um, some people don't like to think about death. You know, not many people like to talk about death. Um, not often do you talk. Uh, do, do you hear that being talked about um, on radio programs? You know, um, it's something that's really you know they don't really want to think about. Um, what about ignorance? Many people are ignorant. Many people think that, um, that when you're dead, you're done for. That's it. There's nothing more. Um, some people believe that, um, that there is no God. So we don't have to prepare ourselves to meet our maker. Um, will man meet God one day? Well, let's just have a look at a verse in the Bible that tells us that we will do. And it's in Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, and you may have your own views this morning, but I'm just basically um, telling you what the Word of God says. And then we read in verse 27 that there is a day, there's, an atti- there's a time appointed, the Bible says, that we will meet with God. Um, verse 27 says, and, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So man is going to meet God one day according to the Bible, okay? Um, you know, there are only two groups of people upon the earth today. I know Peter likes to say this very often, but there's the saved and there's the lost people, okay? And you can't be in the middle. You're either in one group, you're either a saved person this morning in this room, or you're a lost person, okay? Um and hopefully by the end of this message this morning, you will know which group you are in. Um, but you know that both sets of people one day are going to meet with God. The lost are going to meet with God one day. The Bible says at the great white throne, judgment. You can read about that in Revelation 20. We're going to have a look at that in a few moments. Um, but that is a day appointed which cannot be changed. The lost will meet God one day at the great white throne judgment and be judged for their sins and for their rejection of Christ's salvation. But also the believer as well will stand before God one day to be judged. He will meet with God. And the Bible calls it the judgment seat of Christ. 
And then we're going to have a look at um, a few verses of Scripture in a moment. Um, I wonder this morning, do you know where you're going? Are you prepared for that day where you're going to meet with God? Am I prepared? Are we living our lives this morning? If we're Christians, are we living our Christian lives in preparation for that day where we're going to meet with Jesus Christ? Now, if you're a lost person here this morning, you are not prepared to meet with God at all. And I'd just like to show you your um, condition according to the Bible. If you'd like to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. And here we have Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And he's basically saying what this, these people, what these believers used to be, okay, before they were Christians. And he's saying in verse 1, he's telling them basically that they were dead spiritually. Okay, in verse 1, he says, And you hath he quickened, which means make, made alive. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And if you're a lost person here this morning, that is where you are right now. You are lost in sin and separated from God. Not only that, but the Bible says that you are without Christ. Verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ. He's reminding them that before they were Christians, that they were without Christ. And that is your condition here this morning. If you are a lost person and if you are not a Christian, um, you are also without hope. Let's just go on in verse 12. But at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. And then he says, having no hope. What a situation to be in, to have no hope. You know, our God is a wonderful God. He's the God of hope. And he wants to give you hope this morning if you're not yet a Christian. And he wants to give you hope. But not only without hope, the Bible says that you are without God in this world. It goes on to say, having no hope and without God in the world. And that's your condition this morning. I'm sorry if that may offend you, but all I'm doing is just showing you the facts from the Word of God. And that is your condition. Um, I wonder, is that you this morning? If it is, then you're not prepared to meet with your maker. Um, and let me just show you what lies ahead in John chapter 3 and verse 18. And it says, He that believeth on him, on Jesus, is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So right now, you're living under God's condemnation. Let's just have a look in Revelation chapter 20. And Revelation 20 is um, the chapter um, that spoke to me when I was a lost man. And um, God showed me that I was without hope and without Christ in this world. And he brought me to my knees through this, through this chapter and verse 15 especially. Uh, but let's just have a look at the great white throne judgment. This is where you as a lost person are heading right now. Verse 11, and this is speaking about the future. And John says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. If you die in your sins, that's where you will be. This is a prophecy telling you where you are going to be if you don't accept Christ before you die. And he says that the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. You see, God sees everything and everything's recorded. We can't come up with excuses on that day. God knows everything. And he says in verse 13, the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, 
And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And then he says, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And verse 15, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I wonder this morning, do you know where you're going to meet with God one day? Do you ever contemplate God in your life? Does that verse, that verse 15, does that verse bring a fear to you? It brought a fear to me 24 years ago, and I knew that I wasn't right, and I wasn't a Christian. You know, there are going to be some words that Jesus is going to speak one day, and we have them actually in the, in the Bible written for us. Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Those words were recorded 2,000 years ago. But those are words that Jesus Christ is going to say on that day at the great white throne judgment. And I hope that you will not be there. Because if you are, then you will be lost for eternity. There will be no turning back. Can I just tell you this morning of a man, young man who was 24 years old. This was a man who lived for himself. He was a man who lived for motorbikes. He lived for his rock music. He had no thought at all for God in his life. And then one day, a young man came into a garage where he worked, and he brought a Bible, and he started to show him things concerning the last days about the great white throne judgment. And that person got on his knees and asked Jesus Christ to forgive him for all of his sins. And that person was me. 24 years ago, on the 9th of June, that happened. I just had my birthday. But what a day that was. He saved me. And I know where I'm going because of what the Word of God says. And I have confidence with God. I wonder this morning... Um, Will you prepare yourself today, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior? Today is the day, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's God's promise. Why don't you take him at his promise today? Repent of your sin and turn to the Savior. And know forgiveness of sins and know where you're going where you're going to meet with God one day. That's the lost person this morning. Well, I'd just like to turn to the saved person. Okay, if you're a Christian here this morning, you've been saved. And um, I'd just like to show you from the scriptures, a couple of scriptures of your present standing with God right now. And um, I hope this brings some encouragement to you. You'll have to turn to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Sorry, chapter 5. We'll read chapter 8 in a moment, but chapter 5, we see here that God commends his love to you. Um, verse, verse 8, and Paul says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that's an encouraging word, commend. He commends his love to you this morning. That's wonderful. He commended it to you on that day when you got saved. And he loves you. And he commends that love to you right now and to your future. And you're protected in that love. The Bible also says in Romans 8 that you are not under condemnation anymore. Verse 1, Paul says, There is... Therefore, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the, the Spirit. And isn't that a wonderful um, encouragement this morning? That no longer are you condemned. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And if you're a Christian here this morning, you are in 
Christ Jesus. You are free from condemnation. That is wonderful. How does that make you feel this morning as a Christian? Does it give you peace? You know, we were talking about peace last night at the residential home. Something that man is searching for everywhere. You know, that peace can only come when we have been justified by faith. The Bible says that we have peace with God. If you're a Christian here this morning, the lifting of that condemnation, making you free, should bring you peace. It should bring you joy in your Christian life as well. It should also comfort you when we're going through hard times to know that God is there for you. And not only that, but it gives us a hope that we have as an anchor for our souls each and every day. And we know that that anchor cannot be moved. And we're safe in his hands. No condemnation. We're commended to his love. That is wonderful. But I wonder this morning, we may feel and experience these, these joys of salvation but I wonder, does, it, does that move us as Christians to be ready to serve him? Or do we just sit back and just watch other people do everything? Because, you know, God is interested in how we're how we going to serve him now we are Christians. It's not a matter of just retiring and just putting your feet up and saying, oh, let them do that over there. No, God has called us individually and corporately as a church to serve him. And we need to listen to what God is, is saying um, through some of these scriptures. Because one day, we will meet as Christians, we will meet with Jesus Christ, and we will be accountable for how we have lived our Christian lives. You may say, well, preacher, surely I'm, I've been saved and that's it, you know? Um, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to live my life how I want to live it, and I'm going to go in the direction that I want to live it. Surely nobody's going to tell me what to do. Well, the Bible tells us what to do, and one day God will hold us accountable for how we have lived our Christian life. Let me just show you a few scriptures. Romans chapter 14. Romans 14, and... Um, this, again, is um, prophetic. Paul is saying in verse 11, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. And then in verse 12, So then every one of us, he's talking to believers, and he's saying that every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. You know, people don't like to be accountable. You know? That's why many people um, refuse and they don't like the idea of, um, of membership. You know, the pastor often speaks about the importance of being a member and being identified with a local body because we're accountable, you know. Um, but many people don't like to be accountable today. They just like to do what they want to do and that's it, you know. But even God is going to bring us to account uh, one day and um, not only do we see that in Romans 14 but look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and uh, verse 10 and again he's speaking about the future and Paul says for we the Christians yeah must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So again, we're going to meet with the Lord one day, and the Bible says here it's going to be at the judgment seat of Christ, and every one will receive the things done in his body according to what he has done, whether it be good or bad. Okay? And we need to think about this as Christians. We need to think about, what, what am I doing with my Christian life? Am I living my Christian life like I'm accountable for what, what I'm doing right now? Because we will be. I might be able to fool you. You may be able to fool me. But 
We won't be able to fool God on that day. God knows everything. Let's just turn to another uh, scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And from verse 10, we'll read down to verse 15. And uh, Paul says, According to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. You see, accountability. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build on this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, these are good things, these are good works, wood, hay, or stubble, yeah, these are the things that are not really um, worthy, the works. Every man's work shall be made manifest. It's going, to, it's going to be made open. It's going to be revealed. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And if any man's work abide, which he have built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned... He shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. We're not saying here that we're going to lose salvation. We don't believe that in this church. But we can lose rewards. And we are accountable for our works. Okay? And they're going to be tried. They're going to be tested by fire. I wonder this morning, are you living your Christian life in preparation for that day where you're going to meet the Lord Jesus Christ at the judgment seat. You know, one of the most precious gifts that we have in this life right now as Christians is a thing called time. And um, the way we spend our time as Christians will be the way God will, God will judge us okay, at the judgment seat. And um, there are three things that we need to understand about time. And I'm just going to run briefly through these three things this morning. The first is that time is short, okay? Um, you know, have you ever noticed how time seems to just fly past, yeah? I don't know if that happens with you, but it happens with me, you know? I mean, I'm 48 years old now. And I've been a Christian 24 years. That's half of my life. Just gone like that. I can just remember that day when I became a Christian. It just seems like yesterday. Incredible. Um, last, last week, I was in Blackpool. I was visiting my brother. And we went to um, a motorbike um, shop near, near Blackpool. And uh, this really is, is an example, really, of how time goes. And... Um, Walked into this motorbike showroom, okay, and um, this young man came to greet us in his wheelchair, okay. He came out of the back and he was in his wheelchair. And as soon as I saw his face, I knew where I had seen him. And he was working 27 years ago at another motorbike shop. And I, I, was, um, I had won a, a raffle, okay, and they were doing a promotion for a new motorbike, and I had won a, a T-shirt. And um, he presented me with this T-shirt. And when I looked at his face, he looked, it just, you know, I could just tell it was him. And I saw a photograph of him at the back of his desk. And uh, I saw what, what he looked like and what he looked like today. And it just brought back memories, you know. 27 years ago, and a couple of um, days after that presentation, he was on his motorbike, and the car went into the back of him, and it shoved him into a wall, okay? And at the time, everybody knew about this accident, okay? And you could see the big hole in the wall, and um, his, a young man, he was called Steve, and he was paralyzed from that day. He's 44 today, but that happened 27 years ago, and it's just like it happened a couple of weeks ago. I, I can remember it so clearly. Where are those 27 years gone? You see, time is short, and it just goes. It's incredible, you know? Where is time going? Well, we don't know, but it goes, isn't it? Let's just have a look at Psalm 90, and let's just see what Moses said about time as well. 
Psalm 90 and verse 10. And Moses says that the days of our years are three score and three three score years and ten. How many years is that in King James language? Seventy years. That's right. Um, A score is twenty. Okay, and ten, and that's seventy years. And if by reason of strength they be four score years, that's eighty. Yet is their strength and labour, and yet is their strength, labour, and sorrow. For it is soon cut off, and then, it, then he says, and we all fly away. And that's how life goes, isn't it? You know, it seems to just fly away so quickly. James chapter 4 um, speaks about our life being like vapor. And you know, when you, um, you make a cup of tea, and you boil that kettle, and you see the vapor coming out of it, or it, maybe even when you see these uh, new cigarettes now, these uh, e-lights, you know, these are vapor, you know. And they're blowing out vapor. How long does that vapor last? <sighs> seconds, isn't it? Seems like seconds, and it just vanishes away. And the Bible says that our days, our life, is like vapor. It just passes by so quickly. Incredible. Um, I wonder, have you ever realized, have you ever thought about that there are people today on deathbeds who are thinking about time? And they're thinking, how I wish that I could have my time again. Or how I could wish I could have a few more years, you know, of my, of my youth again. Um, people often wish that they could have more time. You know that there'll be people in hell tonight. Pe- uh, sorry, this morning. There'll be people in hell right now who will wish that they could have their time again. That they could wish that they could change things around. Maybe they heard the gospel message, or maybe they just rejected it, and they wished right now that they could have that time again and that they could make the right choice, okay? They can't. This is the time. This is the time to make our choices for eternal life. And those people who are in hell tonight have been there for thousands of years, and they will never have that opportunity to change things. It's set. Um, we often think that, you know, we can do things again, but life is not, this life that we're living right now is not a rehearsal. This is it. This is the life that you have got and I've got right now. And it's not a rehearsal. We can't live it again and say, right, this time I'm going to do it now. This is the time, okay? And it's short. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 that we need to redeem the time because the days are evil, okay? The days are evil. The days are short. And we need to buy back that time. You know, the devil, he would steal the time so easily that we have to spend for him. But the Bible says that we need to buy it back. We need to get it back and we need to redeem. Redeem, the Bible says, the time. We need to get it back and use it wisely for God. No more do we live our time for ourselves and for sin. Okay? That should be of the past. We live our time now for God. Um, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 17 um, basically teaches us that we are to really think seriously about how short time is. Um, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 17 And um, Peter says, And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons, judgeth according to every man's work. Okay? And then he says, Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Okay? So we need to pass our time here with that thinking, that mindset that we are accountable. Our works, the things, the things, how we spend our time. We are accountable for it, and God is going to bring us to account for it. And he's saying here that we need to pass the time of our sojourning, of our life here in fear. Um, Not trembling, but there needs to be a reverence and there needs to be a thought about how we're spending this time. Not only is time short, but secondly, time is valuable. If you'd like to turn to Ecclesiastes in chapter 3, 
Okay, Ecclesiastes. It's uh, the book after the Proverbs, the Psalms, the Proverbs, and then Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And these are the words of a wise man, Solomon. Okay, and um, he says in verse 1, we're going to read down to verse 8, but he speaks about um, how valuable time is and how when we spend this time, and he's not talking about eternity, but he's talking about right now. These are the things that we do with time right now. And in verse 1, he says, To everything there is a season and, to, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. That covers everything, doesn't it? All right. Verse 2, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pick up, uh, pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. And we see here that everything that is to be done in life is to be done in time, not eternity. And he's showing that everything that we do, every, every, everything that we do is, is done in time on this earth, okay? This is the life that we have. I wonder, have you ever thought what the most valuable uh, way that you can spend your time is as a Christian? You know, the pastor often reminds us of this, especially just after the missions conference. Um, but the one thing that's come out of the missions conference is the need to share the gospel with lost people. And there is no better way for us to spend our time is to testify and to be a witness for Jesus Christ. You will not come up with a better um, way to spend your time. Um, and I'd just like really to, to share with you um, a scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and let's just see um, the, ne the necessity that Paul had in his life to be a witness for Jesus Christ as a Christian. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 16. And Paul says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. And then he says, For necessity is laid upon me. It was a necessity for Paul to witness, to, to share the good news with the lost people. And then he says, Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. And we see here how Paul spent his time. He saw time as valuable, and he saw the best way to spend his time was to be a witness for Jesus Christ. I wonder this morning, why does that seem to be lacking amongst Christians today? Why does there seem to be such lack of zeal to witness for Jesus Christ? When you think of what we have, when you think of what the Lord did in sending Jesus Christ to die on a cross for our sins, you know, so often we just let that pass by. But when you consider what he's done, God, through Jesus Christ, died on the cross for our sins. And he's given us an eternal salvation, given us a home in heaven. And when you consider what we have right now, why we don't want to share it with other people. Do you think that God one day is going to require that of us as Christians? He's surely not going to require that of the unsaved, is he? You know, at the great white throne judgment, why don't you tell people about Jesus? You know, he's called us to do it. This is our commission, is to be a witness to people. And Paul saw that necessity. He says, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Um, you know what, one of the most valuable times that a friend of mine ever spent, it may not have been the most valuable time for him, but for me it was. 
And that was the day when he came into my garage where I was working and he shared the gospel with me. For me, that's the most valuable time that he ever spent in his life. That's the most valuable day, moment in his life that he ever had. For me, that was valuable. He may not realize right now how valuable that was, but I do. And there is nothing more valuable than being a witness for Jesus Christ, sharing the good news. You may ask this morning, are we accountable for witnessing? Will God require that of us one day? Well, I believe that we can see in Acts chapter 20 that there is a principle, and Paul knew um, that his conscience um, was not clear unless he witnessed to people and um, he shared the important news of salvation to the lost. And he says in Acts chapter 20, and verse, we'll take it up from verse 17. And it says, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church, this is Paul, and when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. And he says, verse 19, serving the Lord. We're going to see how we did that. But he says, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. And he says, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God. You see, he was witnessing. He was sharing the gospel and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Verse 24, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself. So he had a proper perspective of his life so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus, what was it? To testify the gospel of the grace of God. And verse 25, And now behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Notice what it says, verse 26, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. Why? For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And we see here that Paul realized, recognized that he was accountable for what he did with his time. And the most valuable time for Paul was to preach and to testify of the gospel, of the grace of God. We see another scripture in um, chapter 18 and verse 6. And uh, Paul says, And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, uh, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from henceforth. I will go unto the Gentiles. And you see here he had a clean conscience that he did what he was told to do by the Lord. Are we doing what we're told to do? Are we testifying of Jesus Christ? Are we witnessing to other people? Are we doing our best for Jesus this morning? Or are we just watching others do it? Are we involved in the work? You know, not everybody is able to come to the outreaches, okay? That is, um, you know, we, that is understood, okay? But for those who are available and those who can come need to be there. Okay, and those who are not, you have a part to play as well in praying and lifting those people who are there, serving, testifying, lifting them up to the Lord. And you will be accountable like we will, like those who are going out with the gospel. And, um, you know, we have a program here at the church and no one can say that, you know, they didn't have opportunities to, to serve the Lord and to be a part of the work. It's here. This is not a rehearsal. This is the main act, okay? 
Um, and we need to be a part of it. Um, thirdly, not only is time short valuable, but thirdly, time is unique. Do you remember a lady called Esther? Yeah? You just turn to uh, the book of Esther. We're just going to read a verse from, from Esther, chapter 4. <clears throat> and again, it's um, one of those books that uh, is tucked away there. Find the book of uh, Nehemiah. There we go. Right, chapter 4. And um, just a little bit of the background of the story of Esther. You know that um, God's people, Israel, were uh, in Babylon. And uh, there was um, a horrible man called Haman who wanted to destroy the Jews. And they came with a decree that on the 13th of the month, okay, that all the Jewish people would be destroyed. All right? And Mordecai... Um, knew that this was going to happen. And uh, the Bible says that he was sat in sackcloth and ashes. And we know that Esther, because she was the queen, okay, she was also a Jewess, but she was in the palace with the king. And um, the king was the only one, really, who could change things around. And um, Mordecai sent a letter um, to Esther that Esther should go into the king and tell him um, you know, uh, what, was, what was going to happen. And, um, and Esther said that, you know, that she couldn't go in to the king without being uh, invited. It was a very dangerous thing for her to do, and she could lose her life, okay? Um, but then we see that uh, Mordecai said to her in verse 14, uh, he says, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall there the Jews' enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed, and who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And you see here that Mordecai is saying to Esther that this time that you have right now is unique for your people to save them. And you are the one who is able to go to the king and to have this decree turned round. And um, we read in verse 15, Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer, Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And then she says, and if I perish, I perish. And we see here that the time that Esther was living was unique for the salvation of her own people. Do you think that God has put us here for just by chance? Or do you think that this time that you have right now in your life upon this earth in Ward End, in Birmingham, is unique. It's unique, all right, it is. You're not going to live like, the, like you are doing right now in these bodies again. This is life as it is right now before the Lord returns or before we go to be with the Lord. And the time that you have, the place that you are, the place that you work, your family, your friends around you, it's a unique time. You know, when I think about the place where I work, as far as I know, there are no other Christians there. I'm the only one who can really be a witness there. And that might be the same for you in your, work of, in your place of work, wherever you are, in the universities. And this time that you have is unique. And God can use you like he can't use another person. And it's unique. And you know that God won't hold the generation that's passed away accountable for what you're going to do in your life right now. That time has gone. This is our time right now, and it's unique. The time that you have as an individual, but also the time that we have as a church right now in this area where we are. This is not going to happen again. This is a unique time and an opportunity for us to serve and to be a witness for Jesus Christ you know, in, in the war, there was an act that was made. It was called the Act of Treacherousy. 
And um, it was basically that if you turn your back upon um, your country at a time when it's needed, like in the war, then um, you could be found guilty. And, um, you know, there was um, a high punishment to be paid. Okay? And, um, you know, that act was abolished in 1946. But that act there was for neglect of duty. I wonder this morning, are we neglecting our duty as Christians? May it not be. May we be those that take seriously the time that we have right now and to live it for Jesus Christ, because it's not going to come again. This is it. Let's have a word of prayer. <clears throat> dear Lord, we just want to thank you for reminding us uh, this morning, dear Lord, about preparing to meet the Lord. And Lord, we just pray, first of all, that if um, there is one here in this meeting this morning who's never made that preparation, who's never asked Jesus Christ to be their personal saviour and to have their sins forgiven, we pray that today that they will consider you and make that preparation and um, know that joy and know that hope of forgiveness of sins. And Lord, for us as Christians here this morning, we pray that you'll help us, dear Lord, to remember that we are accountable, dear Lord, for how we spend and live this Christian life that we have. Help us to live it wisely for you. Help us to be your witnesses, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.